So welcome to the next episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Today, we're delighted to have Russ Avery, CEO of Avery and Brown, a sustainable marketing and creative agency. Russ, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm so looking forward to our chat. So thank you very much for having me, Michelle and Gemma. Well, we have spoken a few times. We've uh, liaised on LinkedIn. We actually physically said hello uh, after a long time of, of feeling like we were friends already when we got together and met at the CIM, the SIM Sustainable um, Marketing Summit. And um, and so, Russ, tell us a little bit about the backstory of how you came to be Avery and Brown, a bit of the focus around why you focus on sustainable marketing, because I know you've got quite a heritage in this space. Sure. So feel free to interrupt me at any time, obviously. Um, so uh, Avery and Brown is um, about 20 months old. So we'll, we're only going to be two in August this year. And um, it came about very naturally. So I was uh, an independent marketing consultant for sustainable brands and had been for two years um, after leaving my job in London, where I was um, an in-house marketer for a uh, corporate sustainability consultancy. And I'd been doing that for two years and I was one of, at one of their competitors for four years before that. So I'd been in-house as a marketer six years in the world of corporate sustainability consulting in London. Uh, and I decided that it was time to, to go it alone and start a new adventure. But after a year, just a year of uh, being solo, uh, I met Tim, my business partner, the Brown in Avery and Brown. Uh, Tim's a graphic designer and all-round digital creative um, and unsurprisingly, marketers use graphic designers all the time. We met, got on really well, met in a pub over beers, by the way, classic. Um, uh, got on really well. I started using Tim um, very quickly, very early on to start fulfilling some projects on behalf of my clients. And yeah, honestly, after about six months, it, we just were enjoying working together. It's very natural. Uh, and we decided to make it formal and start a business together. Now, Tim didn't come from a sustainability background. He was new to it and he was new to all the terminology as well. But it turns out that even though he didn't know the words for it, he was actually, uh, him and his fiance lived quite a sustainable lifestyle in terms of how they live and their allotments and all this kind of stuff. And he was just bought in straight away. So I said, we're going to do this, but it has to be sustainable all the way. I don't want to divert from my focus of the last, um, of the last 10 years. Uh, so that's a kind of very nutshell version of the background. And as I said, our focus is um, predominantly or purely working with ambitious, sustainability-focused businesses who pretty much share our vision and values, you know, with what we're trying to, the change we're trying to affect in the world. So, yeah, enjoying the journey. <laughs> Brilliant. It, it certainly is an interesting journey. And, and, we, and there's a lot of terms, isn't there, going around, certainly on the, our, our sustainability network on LinkedIn. And you hear about sustainable business and we talk about sustainable marketing. and then. There's a lot around demarketing and degrowth and then regenerative business um, and what that means. And, and you talk a lot about regenerative business. So could you just kind of talk up a little bit about what regenerative business is? Is it the same as sustainable? Is it not the same? How do they kind of, or do they just sit alongside each other? Absolutely. So there's definitely a lot of crossover. And uh, I'll come on to this in a sec, but our regenerative business mind map has been also called a sustainable business mind map. And we'll talk about that a lot. But yeah, um, for us, it came about quite naturally. And I hadn't actually heard of the term regenerative business before because I just hadn't like, looked it up and done any reading about it. But for us, it was very simply, actually, how can we move beyond being a sustainable business whereby we're just able to carry on 
you know, carry on operating to being one which gives back more to society and the planet than what it takes from them. It was that simple question that we asked ourselves um, at the beginning. Um, that transitioned into uh, a proper back of the napkin type sketch of all the areas that I wanted us to look at in our kind of first year and beyond. Um, as you know, that turned into our Avery and Brown Regenerative Business Mind Map. And it became the kind of framework for our own journey. We weren't expecting it to kind of take off in the way it did. But I shared this thing to LinkedIn and it was a handwritten scribble and it just went nuts. And people really resonated it, resonated with it. And I think we'll come on to this later because obviously this is where marketing fits into it. It's, it's accessibility, which I think is why it was so popular. It was just written in, in a way by a guy who's not a sustainability consultant, which I'm not. I know a lot about it, but I'm very careful never to call myself a sustainability consultant. I haven't studied it. I haven't trained in it or anything like that. I've just been immersed in this world since 2010 as a marketer. So I wrote it in the only way I know how, which is in relatively simple terms. And that's what we need, right? And I know we'll talk about this more at the end, but it's that accessibility so that everyone can understand it and feel like they can easily follow along the journey. Yeah, and it's, it's, I guess, as a start point, how do you you become a sustainable business so that you know you're not doing as, as much harm? Uh, and regenerative business almost seems like that next evolutionary step, doesn't it, for businesses? So, and I guess not all sectors or industries can be regenerative, but there's certainly some huge ones like farming and agriculture that can absolutely focus mm. on that next step of I'm going to my first step is becoming sustainable. Now I need to be regenerative, and I think there's a lot of businesses out there in certain industries and sectors that are regenerative businesses, aren't there? Hundred percent, and. Um you don't need to, people don't need to be afraid that it is just another word because there are some things you can do which are so easy, which will contribute towards you, you know, taking that next step and becoming um, a regenerative business um, where, where you give back to actively give back to society and the planet. Um, and I've got some examples like later on, on when we talk about what businesses can actually do to become more regenerative. That's that's great. So why let's let's get into that. Let's get into that about what businesses can do, because, you know, this podcast is is we try and be as practical as we possibly can and give our listeners practical things. So, of course, we will share the link, which is on our learning zone, you know, back to your regenerative business map, because, as you say, it's straight, it's simple. It's a process for people to follow. But, you know, tell us tell us practically, Russ, about the things businesses can do to be more regenerative. Great. So firstly, just because we're encouraging business to look towards regeneration, it doesn't mean that they can skip some of the crucial steps, uh, which are more commonly associated with sustainable business, as per Gemma's point earlier about terminology and stuff. So now is probably a good time to talk about emissions. (laughs) So out of all the myriad areas of sustainability and the climate crisis, emissions reduction is unarguably, I would say, the most important one because it's a thing which creates so many knock-on, other knock-on issues. Um, and that, so, you know, we're talking about the increasing prevalence of extreme weather events, droughts, flooding, heat waves, wildfires. Um, they will then have knock-on effects leading to other SDGs, increase in poverty, you know, increasing number of climate migrants from these extreme weather events, all this kind of stuff. So we have to start with focusing on emissions reduction. And the latest IPCC report um, shows that greenhouse gas emissions are unfortunately continuing to rise. Um, So they're not even 
plateauing yet, mm-hmm. let alone decreasing that we need. And we need that massive decrease. So I really just wanted to, to bring this up first because actually on the first part of my answer to this question is actually reduce your emissions and you have to do it properly. So calculate, reduce, offset. So you have, let's calculate your carbon footprint, reduce it and, and your other environmental impacts and then offset any remaining or unavoidable emissions. So we had our, what did we do at Avery and Brown? We had our scope one, two and three emissions independently calculated and verified in, um, in June last year. So we were only a 10 month old business at the time. Um, and that was fantastic. And we were declared a net zero carbon business for having, you know, offset uh, the right number of emissions equivalent to our, uh, uh, what we emitted. But it's just the start, right? So the next step on our particular journey is that we're currently going through our Planet Mark certification. And that's something we wanted to do because it's yet another thing which is going to hold ourselves accountable to the year-on-year emissions reductions that we so desperately need. Yeah. So we'll have a we'll have our benchmark, and then we'll we have to reduce by. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's two and a half percent every year. Otherwise, they literally take away your certification, and that's what we need, right? We need we that. Do. And yeah, we need, we that, need that accountability. Yeah, I think exactly. Yeah. And and just a question on that first piece there, Russ, because I know you've got lots to you know to share with us on on this, and I, I love that because this is all about the practicalities. That's why we wanted you on here because you know you're doing this stuff, living it, doing it, uh, and on are able then to share and support others in their journey. Um, so how did you you know you say you calculated your scope one, scope two, scope three emissions? What was that process like? Um. Relatively straightforward for us, actually. I have to yeah. be honest. Um, it's not going to be the same for every business, obviously. So uh, to let people know, we're a small three-person company currently. Uh, we sublet an office. And obviously, at the time we had that done, we've been operating for 10 months. Yeah. So it was relatively straightforward. We don't have, um, we don't have a huge supply chain. We don't have um, lots of different uh, ingoings and outgoings and purchases and stuff like that. So... Um, the the independent agency uh, consultants that we use called Pilio Group were fantastic, and they did it for us uh, very quickly. And uh, we got our reports, which even though we are a small business, we still didn't know where all our emissions came no. from. Right, we had to have that report first. Me driving to the office in a small petrol car is responsible for most of our business emissions. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, we scope three was very easy because um, of the way we sublet an office off our of our client mesh energy um, and stuff like that. So we have actually little influence, unfortunately, over some of the things which make a big difference, like our energy supplier and stuff like that. Um, but we've got a benchmark. That's what it's all about. We now know where our emissions come from. And, uh, you know, sorry to say for any big businesses out there listening who haven't done it yet, it will be a much more complicated process. But there are lots of um, sustainability consultancies out there now which, which can help. Yeah. But I think the point is valid that even small businesses, micro businesses, you know, you took that opportunity to sort this out. Whereas I think there's a tendency to think, oh, well, we're too small, you know, to be focused on this thing. So, I mean, it's, it's it goes both ways, doesn't it? But there's millions of them, isn't there? Millions yeah. of micro businesses in the UK yeah. and, and that those all added together have quite a significant uh, in carbon emissions. I think Adam yeah. Bastop spoke about yeah. what they make up in terms of something like 25% across across that basis. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great what Adam's trying to do through Small 99 because, yeah. like you said, there are just so many small and micro businesses and together 
our collective impact we can make on emissions reduction is huge, but we just have to know where they come from. Yeah. yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and and just on that point, I would I would also say, Russ, you know, you're advising clients, right? You're in an advisory role. Many of those small and micro businesses are in advisory roles. So it <clears> isn't just the role that you play in sorting out your own house. It's the role that you play as advisors into advising some of those larger organizations to to to, to support them in in, in at least throwing up the question, like, what are you doing about this? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you raised that, actually, Michelle, because um, <laughs> the line between us being actually a marketing and creative agency and being sustainability consultants has actually been blurred. Yep. And I know that you'll both know what I'm talking about. Yes. That. So while we're very careful um, never to give pure advice that's actually should be given by a sustainability consultant, you're right. We are able to give loads of tips and advice to our client base to our supply chain, to our suppliers, uh, which is fantastic because we absolutely have to have that uh, collaboration and that free knowledge sharing between all of us if we're going to have make any dent in this and be halfway successful. Yeah, because it, it's that, you know, the, the second, so price is the first reason that many people are kind of not becoming more sustainable in their lives or businesses. Um, and then second is they just don't know where to start. And I think no. these networks, if you say, oh, I, I did I did it, oh, we measured our, our you know, carbon emission, our carbon footprint, it almost, and somebody says, oh, how did you do it? It takes that fear out of what is such a hugely complex, it, I can't save the world type, I'm good, so I'm going to ignore it. And it's just way more powerful and way more, um, it drives so much more momentum and motivation when you speak to somebody else who's gone through it, isn't it? That word of mouth is really, really powerful. And I think the sustainability networks, you know, just by talking about these things can drive so many more people to take action. Because if you try and Google this stuff, <laughs> it is a mind. I mean, Google anything, it's a minefield. But Googling, you know, how do I reduce my carbon emission? It's, it is so complicated. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic way of getting other people to, to, to do the same thing. You're so right. People, something always seems more achievable if it's another business that's a similar size to them or someone they know yeah. who's already done it. Oh, brilliant. I can do it too now. That's great. Exactly. <clears throat> um, so what else can what else can businesses do on their regenerative uh, journey? Um, so happily, the IPCC report also says that investing in nature-based solutions is a great way to draw down more carbon from the atmosphere. Uh, and again, without knowing or hearing from someone else, businesses will go, yeah, but what can I possibly do about uh, helping that? But, you know, you can support your local wildlife trust. So we're corporate partners of Surrey Wildlife Trust. Um, costs 120 quid a year. I mean, imagine if every business in just Farnham, let alone the whole of Surrey, did that. Imagine mm -hmm. what the wildlife trust could do in their work. Um, you could support a local, national or international rewilding organization. They do incredible things um, to not just... Um, rewild the land but the, the rewilding itself has so many knock-on effects you know many of these natural climate solutions benefit society in other ways like improving air and water quality yeah. producing more food and protecting the variety of natural life that we all depend on Gemma you talked about regenerative agriculture earlier you know these things are all linked and actually businesses can put their money where their mouth is and support any initiative they choose really I read somewhere that they're encouraging people to not mow their lawns as often at the moment, aren't they? To try and get yeah, these sort of ecosystems in your 
in your gardens going and you know these are all just things I mean telling people to stop doing something I don't mow your lawn is quite I'm not I'm sure a lot of people are like yeah I'm saving the planet I'm just not going to mow the lawn today yeah. but my, my husband's very, delighted <laughs> yeah <laughs> very quick uh quick nugget on that one then um so we did no mow may last year but mm. you know practicalities right this is what it's all about do what you can so we've got three kids and a dog and you just can't have a really like completely overgrown lawn but we left a meter wide strip of, of no main lawn down the side. And I literally couldn't believe the, the nature that mm. was in those two strips, uh, like wildflowers, uh, butterflies, uh, frogs came into the garden because yep. they love the long, the long dewy grass. So again, it's a great uh, example, Gemma, no mo may of what you can do just a little bit to make a difference. Then there's the society part, of course, um, because we need to be thinking about society and the planet. So supporting your local community is something that you can do in multiple different ways. Um, we run a, a local um, community networking event once a month here. And in November last year, we did a sustainability special for that event. Got loads of business in, engaged in the dialogue, never spoken about sustainability before, no idea what they can do. Fantastic. That's uh, It was 10 to 30 local businesses here in Farnham who are now on their journey, whereas mm. they weren't doing anything before. So that's the small change you can make. Then there's the charity side of things where absolutely support local charities, but then you can think more um, more national and international as well. So we're in our short journey um, as Avery and Brown so far, we've supported a charity called My Time Young Carers, which is based down in Bournemouth. Um, and then bigger charities like the Disasters Emergency Committee, Ukraine Appeal, Crisis at Christmas. These are all things that you can do that really yeah. do help. And, you know, just on that note, because uh, we mentioned Ukraine, war is the worst thing for the sustainable development goals because yeah. it literally prevents progress on all 17 of them and is an absolute disaster, more than the obvious humanitarian disaster we know it for. The knock-on effects of the war from an environmental point of view are terrible. So, you know, just small businesses can do can play their part. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, you know, what I'm hearing from the, the practical things that you're talking about there, Russ, you know, they really do align with the United Nations sustainable development goals. And like you say, there are 17 of those that, and, um, and they're like 169 markers, you know, against yeah. each one of those. So, you know, it can seem like, oh, there's a lot to do, but actually, it's actually a really great framework for businesses to kind of start with. Was that something that you looked at when you were looking at your regenerative mind map was it was it kind of a starting point did you connect the dots absolutely it became like this web uh so i, I knew i knew what i knew right <laughs> and then in writing them down and speaking to people like you and sharing it on linkedin suddenly the the map became 10 times the size which is the updated one this year which people can look at um and yeah it's become like a web and it's so interesting you said connect the dots everything you, you can definitely draw a line between everything yeah. It really is like a spider's web. It's awesome. But sustainability, it's such a huge topic, but we can make it so accessible by joining all these dots together and helping yeah. people to take those small steps, which is just another string on that big spider's web. And yeah, everyone's journey will look different as well. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Everyone's journey will look different. Everybody's impacts are different. Um, and you don't have to try and tackle everything, you know. No. If, if you're, you know, you don't necessarily align to all of the SDGs. If there's one that you 
really, really can make a difference on there's nothing wrong with just focusing on that one for, you know, for your strategy as a start point um, as you move your business forward and, and um, you know, try and reduce your impacts whilst also giving back in other areas. Absolutely. I love the idea as well of just choosing an SDG, one that aligns most closely to your business and going for it. I mean, what a great way to make sustainability accessible to you and your organization. And, you know, I, I wanted to focus on if you only do one tip out of yeah. listening to this episode, try and make it emissions reduction because we have to listen to the science yeah. and the global yeah. scientific consensus. But you're right. Choose an SDG. There are 17 of them. You will 100% find one which is related to you and your business, whether it's something to do with your supply chain or what you directly do as business. And just go for it. And yeah. my last three points on the what can we do were educate, communicate and collaborate. So just you've got to educate yourself. And you two are huge ambassadors for that through the Can Marketing Save the Planet website and the resource section. Uh, we haven't done our carbon literacy training yet. We want to do that. And then we want to take it the next step further by offering it to all employees. So it's almost like another part, another employee benefit. Um, yep. Get your carbon literacy training with us. Um, communicate. I mean, marketers, come on, all the marketers out there listening. It's our job, right? <laughs> it's up what to we us. Do. It's what we do. It's up to us to turn the complex climate comms into simple messages and engaging narratives, which get everyone on board, not just the people already in the echo chamber who already know some stuff. And collaboration was the final one. Um, so I love this, this space and being in this yeah. area more than any other thing because collaboration over competition is just, you know, everywhere. Uh, and it's the best community to be part of. So meet up with people in real life, try and take those um, digital connections uh, offline whenever you can, because there's nothing like that face-to-face -face chat. Share your experiences and advice freely. Um, we, we've made very, you know, we've been very sure to share every single step, no matter how small it was, of our journey on our blogs and on LinkedIn. So even if it was actually just um, we signed a petition today or we did that, because we just want people to either take inspiration from us or actually just copy us. Like, why not yeah. go for it? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that, yeah, that collective action, that's what, that's what absolutely drives change. What are some of the key challenges that you found um, in terms of your journey or journeys even of, you know, people or other businesses that you've worked with? What would you say are some of the things that just keep coming up as, as those initial challenges? So shout out to any other small micro businesses out there because one of them is definitely <laughs> time and resource. So you will not have an in-house person who can focus on this stuff for you. So as the business owner or whoever you are, CEO, COO, co-founder, you're going to have to do it yourself. Uh, that's no bad thing though, because mm. we all know that the change happens from the top down. So it will then be really embedded into the, into the very fabric of your organization. So time and resources. Um, money, I think, surprises people because actually there's so much you can do that's either free or costs you very, very little at all. You know, talked about supporting your local wildlife trust or donating to charity. And now there are even more things which can make that really easy. Actually, there's 1% for the planet. There's B1, G1, where you can just set these things up and then like they're there. They're part of your, uh, your business operations and you can almost just forget about them. I mean, that in the best way. Um, and there's also, you can save money. There's, yes. there's oh, things yeah. that you do that save you a, a, a load of money. Absolutely. We, we didn't even mention that. So actually, yeah, you can save money by, surprisingly, saving energy can actually yeah. save you money as well as business. Yeah. These are crucial things, I think. And 
that's the thing, isn't it? We forget these things if we're already in yeah. it. We forget to mention the obvious stuff sometimes. So yeah, absolutely. And um, Michelle, you you asked about the Better Business Act, and I thought yes. this might be a nice time to drop that in. So um, I had it came about very naturally, actually, because I had on my list write to your local MP. You could write to the Prime Minister, and you could support the Better Business Act. So the Better Business Act, uh, its objective is to change the UK law specifically Section 172 of the Companies Act, to ensure that every company in the UK aligns their interests with those of wider society and the environment. So basically, we want it to be illegal for companies to prioritise profits over everything else. Uh, over a 1,000 members, uh, member businesses are, uh, are now signed up and asking for the government to show leadership and help deliver this new contract between business and society. And it's, it's really not much to ask, is it? Nope. We're asking for what, what we need. Um, and uh, there was a day called Better Business Day uh, two weeks ago, which um, coincided with the Better Business Act's first birthday. And it was fantastic. 400, um, 400 of us signee member businesses um, went to Westminster and we all did uh, a big uh, storm on Parliament. It's probably a bit harsh, but we went across <laughs> in, little, in little staggered groups to speak to our individual MPs to to tell them about the Better Business Act and to ask them to, you know, bring it up uh, in the House of Commons and talk about it and see if we can get it passed. And I, I don't know how many of the 400 of us got to speak to our MP, but I think maybe 50%, and that's amazing. And the rest of us wrote, wrote, wrote to them. And, yeah. Yeah, and I've, uh, I, I was one of the unlucky ones. I didn't get to speak to my local MP, um, but I've written to, to him. It's Jeremy Hunt um, here in Surrey. And uh, he's... To be fair to him, he's been very responsive because we've written to him about COP26 and the climate crisis before. And he replied and he wrote a nice reply and he gave us a call as well. And I think actually that's all you can ask for if they listen. Um, so it was a step in the right direction. And um, the better, I, I don't think there are any criteria to signing the Better Business Act. Yep. So people, people can, go, can go and check it out. And uh, that's another thing you could literally do today, actually. So that's plenty for practical things <laughs> for, for, for people to be doing. Let's talk about your agency, the work, you know, obviously Gemma and I are aligned with this using marketing as a force for good. And, uh, you know, our mission is to educate the 10.6 million marketers on the planet to, to know this stuff, to, to have the courage to talk about this stuff and to be educated. So they have the confidence as well to be, to be able to talk about this. So tell me about the role of marketing and and some of the work that you're doing from a marketing and creative perspective with your clients how is this impacting sure so um to begin with we we do a lot of the same services that another marketing and creative agency will do it's just who we do it for so we like to think that by helping um our clients to grow they can have a greater impact in the world, right? That's what it's all about. So yeah. we, only, we only work with ambitious, sustainability-focused clients. And if we do our jobs well, we'll be helping them to be more visible to their target market. And they've got people on planet positive services and products. And hopefully we can uh, effect, effect greater change that way. More generally, the role of, the role of marketing, uh, for, for me, it's so interesting. It's clarity of communications, Yes. It's storytelling. It's making sustainability accessible, and you know I'm going to big up, big us all up right here, marketers, because we are we're educators, we're communicators, we're innovators. We have to come up with new services and ideas and stuff all the time, and so we're when you combine all those, really, we are business leaders. Mm. Uh, so we have huge influence, 
And you might not feel like you do in your job. And believe me, I've been there. It might be really difficult to get the ear of your boss, uh, your CEO. Um, so I definitely appreciate that it can be a struggle for some marketers. But And again, I know this isn't that black and white, but if it's not happening for you in your job, you know, consider moving to a company that will value your experience and your desire to, to help your business and your clients operate more sustainably. Um, like I said, not that black and white, I know, but um, there are a lot of people out there who I think want to work in more purpose-driven roles now. Yeah. And there'll be hundreds of thousands of marketers who include themselves in that. You're trying to reach 10.6 million of them, or yeah. <laughs> whatever crazy number it is. And I really believe that, that this can happen. So look, historically, marketing has been a massive part of the problem, right? Marketing and advertising is an industry which is purely synonymous with like, Deceit, lying, obfuscation, making people buy shit they don't really want or don't really need. It's been terrible. Now, it can completely do a 180 and be a massive part of the solution. Mm. And uh, purpose-driven marketers out there really just do have the, the desire and the potential and the drive to make that happen. Fantastic. It is an exciting time to be a marketer, isn't it, um, in terms it of that, that piece. And, and then the internal comments. Michelle and I were just discussing over WhatsApp yesterday the disjointedness between what internal comms are versus external comms and those organisations that don't believe that marketing should be used as the internal comms engine within their businesses. Absolutely crazy because how are you supposed to drive that progression internally, that consistency of message, understand what your employees' values are and how they align with you as a business if you're not using your knowledge of everything outside? I think, I guess, one of the biggest... Um, uh, tips or, uh, to go out to marketers is everything if you go out and learn about all of this stuff whether it's through the learning zone whether it's through your mind map and looking at that whether it's through the stuff that uh that adam's putting out there whether it's carbon literacy you know there, there's there's an abundant cim stuff there's an abundance of information out there and as you're learning absolutely be the voice that runs through your entire business and work with the relevant people to to take those messages in so that you had, I mean, I think the CIM summit was that moment where Michelle and I bought our world from the last 18 months into one room. And it was amazing, wasn't it? That energy yeah. in that room and the people that were, hadn't been part of that, but came along to find out more, they left absolutely buzzing, didn't they? In terms of either I'm going to go and now work for a B Corp or a social impact company, or they were just like, you know what, I'm going to go and learn about this. And then I'm going to start the conversations that I, have been thinking about, but I haven't really known where to go to to, to really push that um, and take that leap of faith. I love that because I was at the CIM Sustainability Summit as someone who's worked in this sector for 12 years now, and I loved it. But actually, I was really excited thinking about all the people that were sitting in that room who were brand new to this business, who yeah. must have just been absolutely buzzing <laughs> with ideas. And like you said, oh God, I really need to leave my job and work, you know, that's work somewhere that's more aligned to my values and, and stuff. And I just think it must have been mind blowingly good for them. Um, and they, yeah, they must have left that day absolutely buzzing for sure. Yeah. I think John Grant on that day, he, he <laughs> shared an ex, a, a kind of case, mini case study about um, a, a, the client of his that um, once he understood what was going on in the world of sustainability, he said, oh my goodness, you know, I'm just going to throw it all in and um, I don't want to be part of this. I'm just going to go and work for Greenpeace. Um, and then Johnson, but actually, wouldn't you be better trying to solve the problems that you've got within the industry 
that you're working in yeah. by finding solutions and, and making the change there rather than running off to somewhere that already gets it. So, so there is that kind of, you know, you don't want to be banging your head against the wall if you're getting nowhere. But there is also that great opportunity of having that opportunity to to drive an impact and a difference in maybe an industry or a sector or an organization that that just hasn't been listening and isn't aware so you know there are there are some great opportunities on on both elements aren't there yeah you're absolutely right and maybe that is left best left to the marketers who have got a slightly thicker skin (laughs) and who are like even more determined uh, because it won't be easy but you're right that's where that actually we need that don't we to change those industries which you know, if their if their marketers leave, they'll just get another one who doesn't care about the environment. And exactly, yeah, you're right. Change yeah. from the inside. Change from the inside where you can. Okay, <laughs> so we like to ask all of our guests three killer kind of little questions to wrap up the show. So they're quick fire. The first one, Russ, is can marketing save the planet? Yes, absolutely. That's the short answer. The slightly longer answer is um, I genuinely believe that. Like I said earlier, it's been a huge part of the problem um, today for the last 50, 70 years. Um, and now it can absolutely be a part of the solution because marketers um, are educators, communicators, leaders in their businesses. And we really do have the power to effect positive change on a huge scale. And Russ, what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? <laughs> so I really hope that the Better Business Act will have been passed. Um, so that every, well, every UK business at least um, will be legally obliged to put people and planet on par with profit. Um, that for me would be a major win. I often like will be walking down the street just thinking like how different the world would look if every business you passed had to have that focus. Yeah. Uh, it would just be incredible. And had to be accountable with yeah. that focus. Just like we yes. have to be accountable with our taxes, we have to be accountable about that focus. It's, it's one thing passing it, it's kind of like making sure that we adhere to it. So um, so that's, that is a great, I'd be with you there, that would be a great win. And if you could give, I mean, you've given us so many nuggets of advice and insights, I'm not quite sure, you know, uh, I would just probably say, listen to this podcast might be the answer <laughs> to this. But if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainability, sustainable marketing, what would it be? I can't narrow it down to one piece, so I'm going to absolutely fail on answering this question. So maybe (laughs) just say listen to the podcast. (laughs) So listen to the podcast, definitely. The whole series, not just this episode, obviously. All the amazing guests that Michelle and Gemma have had on. Read Michelle and Gemma's book. Read Our Ultimate Guide to Sustainable Marketing, which is a much, much shorter version of the book, and then read the book. Read all the resources in the learning zone on canmarketingsavetheplanet.com. Educate yourself, collaborate with others, be the change. We can absolutely do this. Brilliant. Brilliant, Russ. Thank you so much for your time and energy on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs>